uh, return guest this week and kind of uh, on location here in Macon, Georgia at the Mercer Tennis Classic with uh, Danielle Lau, return guest, and uh, and mainly a friend. So, uh, Danielle, you uh, are all four podcasts, a big podcast uh, <laughs> enthusiast, so uh, so you're back on. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back in Macon. I feel like this is where it all started. Yeah, good vibes, and uh, um, here, in, here in the South, so... Um, the, the podcast is the tech of sports, but we don't talk just about sports and just about tech. It can be just about anything. So uh, it's uh, the end of a long year. And what uh, what do you kind of do here the last month or so of your of your year to uh, to stay in it and uh, stay tough, mentally tough and physically tough? What's uh, what's the keys for a, an athlete when their uh, season is winding down? I think for sure right now the number one goal is to stay healthy like you said you know physically you know physically tough and you know just just to manage yourself um, manage your expectations and that that goes mentally um, just knowing like where you are in the year that helps you manage your expectations to not ex- expect maybe the best tennis or the perfect tennis that you normally would have in the in the middle of the year or when you're peaking for a slam and so just having those things in mind I think it helps you to maximize your performance right now and especially when at this point everyone's a little bit banged up so you take a little extra care of the body maybe you lay off the practice a little bit more maybe lay off the training a bit because you're you're just finishing up and a healthy body is better than like a fully equipped fully trained body right now. So Jimmy Connors used to, when he practiced, he used to go out and just practice like crazy for one hour. Mm-hmm. And then while everyone else was out there, two, three hour, these marathon practices, and he would just not waste any time, mm-hmm. get his pack as much into one hour as, as he could. Is there something to be said for that? Definitely. Quality over quantity. You know, I came out here and just beat the ball around for maybe 50 minutes in between um you know, my, my Tuesday and Thursday match, I'm not going to hit again, just trying to stay fresh physically and mentally. So, yeah, I definitely think quality over quantity. Sometimes when you're out there for two to three hours, yeah, the quality drops a little bit. You start to look in the clouds, you're not focused, and that's never what you want in a match anyways. you rather have your concentration, you know, at 100%. And so if you go out there for a shorter period of time and you give that 100% and give that 100%, you know, concentration, I think that's more valuable than being out there for a long period of time. And when you look at across the draw, you, you had a nice match yesterday, a nice win over uh, the top seed in the tournament. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really mean a heck of a lot in these type of terms. The players are so equal, mm-hmm. uh, just maybe varies from day to day. But, uh, um, you know, do you uh, study the draw? Do you just kind of look at your one, your next match ahead? Or how do you how do different players approach that differently? Yeah, I don't look at my draw at all, actually. I took a picture of the draw, didn't look closely at it, and just sent it to my mom or maybe my boyfriend, and they just tell me who I have first round, you know, take care of that first round, and then you worry about the second round later when it comes around, and that's another thing you can do to help manage yourself mentally, because there's only so much mental space and mental energy that you have, so focusing on one match without thinking about the next is probably you know, a good way to manage yourself mentally. Is that a good advice for maybe junior players, too, to not worry about too much who you're playing or who you might play next and just kind of worry about yourself, focus on your own game, and let the results uh, happen? Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, 
it, it can help. It's less clutter. Maybe maybe some kids it doesn't affect them to know the whole draw, and maybe some it does. But I don't think it hurts to have less information in the brain. Because now we have so much information at our yeah. disposal. You can go online and see tendencies of people. And uh, how much do you do you use analytics at all? Uh, you know, when you're playing bigger tournaments, there's lots of information available about the players. Uh, do you do you worry about that or look at that at all? For me, I don't look at stats too much. Maybe just first serve percentage, first serve, you know, percentages like first serve points won, and that's only for me. I'm not looking at it in terms of my opponent or the person I'm about to play. I, w I like to rely a little bit more on what I what I see on the court, and I like to use my eyes because. Players play different from day to day. You can study all the statistics, and everyone's so good right now. They can, they can change how they play from yesterday to today. So yesterday's statistics don't always equal to today's statistics. And sometimes, if you take those statistics too seriously, you kind of start the match off behind. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And uh, um, you are a uh, we're with Danielle Lau here, um, special uh, tech of sports. Um, you love gadgets, you love little uh, electronics and apps and photography and kind of the latest things. What's have been your favorite things you've been uh, making use of this year? I've been... Besides your iPhone 6. <laughs> the iPhone 6. It keeps me alive, actually. But I've, I've been playing around with my dad's Nikon camera. I don't even know what model it is, but I just I was in Paris and I had a friend there too that was into photography and he was teaching me about like aperture shutter speed iso and so it, it, it's been fun to you know play around with a nice high quality camera and then edit the photos on on your phone on your computer you know to have some sort of focus on the on the picture however you like in terms of manipulating the colors or whatnot especially with technology it makes it super easy to do on the go yeah, so you, you post uh, pictures on Instagram and, and the other sites, but then also you maybe uh, a couple few times a year you send out maybe a, for lack of a better word, a little newsletter mm -hmm. or kind of a little status update on yourself because you like to write. Uh, do you get different reactions from the pictures you post versus what you write? Do, do people uh, react to those things differently? I think the pictures are a little bit more casual, the reactions. You know, something like Instagram, they're a little... Yeah, the the reactions are a bit more casual. Maybe some of my friends say something humorous in passing, but the newsletters, when I get responses from that, they're a lot more heartfelt. Maybe from you know, uh, maybe the older followers, my older followers, maybe you know people who are a little further along in life, not so much you know my peers. Um, so yeah, the newsletter is a great way to keep my housing families informed on what I've been up to and. After they read it, they reach out to me and, you know, normally just saying, you know, glad to hear from you and so happy you're still enjoying the sport. And, and yeah, I keep sending those letters. So I, I, I keep doing it because they seem to enjoy it. Because it's it's a, it's an email blast, but it's kind of personal, even though it's you're, you know, you're writing it to numerous people, but it's kind of a personal feel to it. And then the people, uh, I think the people like that. And it's just kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, they know you and it's just kind of... Uh, a way for them to stay in touch with you, and it's kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're real gracious, and it's, it's always really well written, and it's, uh, you know, written from your your own experiences. You've had lots of different experiences, so you like sharing those with people, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. 
100%. And it's fun to talk about traveling and uh, <laughs> yeah. what, uh, what are your uh, tricks and, and tips for getting through like a 13-hour uh, flight to Asia and then, uh, you know, turning around and coming home. But what uh, mm-hmm. those are long flights. I, I know I'd want to break that up uh, in half. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's long, so you're you're up in first class, you know, with the sleeper, with the, <laughs> no, the fold down bed and everything, aren't you? You're a professional athlete, so you must be rich. Not at all. No, I'm I'm back in the economy suite. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, you know, I, I don't need much leg room or anything, anyway. So maybe the first class or business class seats kind of wasted mm-hmm. on me. But any tips? I would say download a few podcasts and. You know, listen on the plane. Sometimes I take notes. Um, I'm not a big movie watcher, so maybe I'll watch one or two, but then my eyes would get tired. So, but like with Can the podcast, yeah, for yeah. the most part, um, take a little melatonin. I guess it just depends what time the flight is. If the flight is at 10 a.m., it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Those flights seem a lot longer. When you take a red eye, mm-hmm. those short seem those flights seem a lot shorter. Uh, so yeah, if I I just load up on a few podcasts and you know put my headphones in, just listen, take notes, shut my eyes and listen, and uh, it's it's a great time for me to you know to reflect on what I need to do or where I have been, and and sometimes I get some good writing done on the plane because you have no distractions. Exactly, I get some of my best ideas for things on yeah. the plane by myself because you're right, there are no distractions. But you're a big fan of snacks. Do you bring your own stuff along or do you rely on what the airline has? I definitely do not bring snacks with me because I know they will be gone. Right? No matter what it is. Yeah, the airline's going to feed you and I would love and I'm sure my traveling experience would be a lot better if I had snacks but I just know I have no self-control and if I had nothing better to do on the plane, I'll eat the whole bag of popcorn so I just, I just don't. That's a long flight. So <laughs> you say you're not a movie watcher, and we're wrapping up with with Danielle Lau here. But you have seen Crazy Rich Asians, I guess. Yes, so, yes. I'll give you a little uh, clip notes review, or kind of how you like how you like that movie. I thought it was a, okay. It was. It was a movie. It I mean. was a movie. It was a it was a romantic comedy, but I really identified with you know the actors, actresses, what they had to go through to get an all Asian cast. You know, it was a little over the top, though. Of course, it is over the top. I think Singapore really is over the top, but um, I've never been before. But from what I've heard, it's pretty accurate. Or maybe Singapore's even more over the top than what they showed on the movie. Um, but you know, with a little Asian background, I can identify with you know the story a bit in terms of expectations, doing what you want to do and balancing what your parents want for you and um, luckily enough my parents and I have always seen seen eye to eye on what what they want for me and what I want for myself and they've always been really open about having me follow my dreams so you know but but yeah I'm, I, I was really happy to see some of that on screen and uh, yeah I thought the movie was uh it was pretty good. I thought it was maybe going to be a little funnier than that, but uh, <laughs> but still good and uh, still uh, uh, tennis to be played this year. And then uh, you get a little breather, and then uh, hopefully a, a long, successful year next year. Yeah, hope hoping for the best. Yep. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Rick.